How's everybody doing today? All right. Turn to somebody and say, well, you really do look good. Zach, Zach wasn't just making that up. You, you really do look good. It's funny, I talked to three or four people and nobody told me I was looking good, so. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You need to have your eyes checked. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for being at the Bridge Church. We're honored you're here today, especially if you're here for the very first time, we welcome you. If you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to your right is our info center. They can answer any questions you might have. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have a church app you can download on your electronic device. Hey, we want to get connected with you next Sunday morning, which will be the first Sunday of the month, every first Sunday of every month, during second service, we have what we call connecting point. It happens during second service. It gives you a time with some of the pastors. You get to meet them. You get to find out more about the mission, the vision, the bridge, our history, who we are, what we are, how you can get better connected. So if you haven't been to Connecting Point, get signed up online or at the Connections or at the Info Center. Be here next Sunday morning. You'll meet new friends, and we want to get connected with you. Can we just welcome our first-time guest today? God bless you. Thanks for being here. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Do you ever have random thoughts sitting in church? <laughs> you know, sometimes I look out there during worship. When people are worshiping, I look out and somebody's like, huh, you know. I, I was sitting there this morning. I had a random thought. My aunt, Pat, tur my aunt Pat has a birthday this Saturday. I don't know how old she's going to be. Maybe 18, 19 or 20? Yeah. My aunt is only 19 or 20. Think about that. 19, I have an aunt who's 19 or 20 years old because she was born on February 29th, which only comes around every four years. So when you ask her, how old are you? She'll tell you how old she is. Uh, she, she does look old for her age, but... Uh, <laughs> I certainly hope she's not watching online today. I'll be in big trouble. Anyway, I don't know. That's just one of those random church thoughts. You know, where did that come from? We better pray this morning before I get started, okay? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. I pray now that the next few minutes that your Holy Spirit and your word would just arrest our attention, speak right into our hearts, let us hear things we need to hear, let us know things we need to know. And Father, we thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to share a message entitled, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. How many of you have some things in life you just don't want to talk about it? Some of us don't want to talk about the past. Some of us don't want to talk about the future. Everybody has something they don't want to talk about. And today I want to go back to something that I talk about quite regularly. And that is we need to learn to live life with an eternal perspective. We need to see everything we do through the lens of eternity. We need to see our own life through the lens of eternity. I want to tie into that today. And I want to have a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation with some of you today. And we, we don't do this a lot. We, we're pretty upbeat here at the Bridge Church. But every now and then we get right down to where we live. We get into God's word real honest about what's going on in our hearts What's going on in our world? Four weeks ago, 
I think it's four weeks ago today, Southern California and a lot of our society across the nation was shaken by a helicopter crash that killed nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Because we're close to Los Angeles, because many of us are L.A. fans, uh, you know, a lot of people have rooted for Kobe through the years, and a lot of people's hearts were attached to him. When we got the news that his helicopter had gone down and he was dead, a lot of people were so shaken. And I was actually in Austin, Texas that weekend, and I got the news at lunchtime. I got home on Monday, and, and it was amazing how many people were talking about this tragedy. How many people were shaken by it? And thousands of people showed up to honor him. Now, why am I bringing this up today? This message is not about Kobe Bryant. It's about the fact that in our society today, we don't want to talk about death and we don't want to talk about eternity unless we absolutely have to. You know, I've been in the ministry a lot of years now and I've noticed one trend in our society that involves the church to an extent. When I was a kid, when somebody died, everybody that knew that person came to their funeral. You'd have a lot of people at funerals. Today, very few people come to funerals. And I think the biggest reason is because people don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about eternity. When someone high profile dies before their time we're all shocked by it and it grabs society's attention uh, I, I don't remember this because I was way too young but in 1955 there was a famous actor who was probably the biggest thing in Hollywood at the time his name was James Dean 24 years of age starred in the movie uh, Rebel Without a Cause and before the movie could even be produced and released he was killed in an automobile accident, a race car accident, a, a Porsche Spider he was driving. And it shook the nation really for many years because he was such an icon. And you still see his face in pictures and posters today. And the group, the Eagles, the music group, the Eagles, they wrote a song about James Dean and his death. And in that Song. It had a line that was so true, and I think it describes how many of us live today. It said, you were too fast to live and too young to die. Bye-bye. We run through life. We go as fast as we can. We live like we're indestructible. Have you noticed how people drive on the freeways? Not everybody, but some people. I mean, people drive like they're indestructible. And I'm thinking, man... If you've ever seen one horrible accident, you will slow down. Because we're not indestructible. Life is so fragile. And in truth, when you look at eternity, life is so short. But yet, we run through life as fast as we can, and we don't want to talk about death and eternity. Hebrews 9.27, just one little part of the verse says, it's appointed for men to die once. The old saying is, think about life is you don't get out of here alive. It does come to an end. Through the years, I've done a lot of funerals. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I remember when I have a, have a nephew who, when he was a little guy, was going to preschool. 
And of course, he was watching cartoons and TV, and you know, this would have been many years ago, 45 years ago, I guess. Uh, one day, uh, he came to preschool wearing his Superman pajamas and a cape. And he climbed up on a high table and dove off onto a lower table, a bunch of chairs and a bunch of kids because he thought he could fly. But he found out he couldn't. Got pretty banged up and they had to call his parents. At 35 years of age, the same young man, his heart exploded and he was gone. In a moment's time. We don't like to think about death because it makes us think beyond death. Since I've been here at the Bridge Church, I've done funerals for newborn babies who only lived a few days. I don't want to dig up any hurt, any pain for anyone in our church today, but a few years ago I did a funeral for a young man who attended our church who was shot in the head and murdered needlessly. I did a funeral for a young man who, in his 20s, died of an overdose of drugs. I've done a funeral for a young man killed in an automobile accident. I did a funeral for a middle-aged man whose life had been poisoned by anger and bitterness, and he died before his time. I did a funeral many years ago at a graveside. I call, was called by people I didn't even know. I showed up to do a funeral for a man I'd never met, and I got there at the graveside, and it was just me and his sister and her husband. Three people showed up for his funeral. He died lonely. And then I've done a lot of funerals. But although there was a sad note, there was a little bit of celebration because somebody had lived a long, godly life and we knew where they had gone when life is over and we celebrated the fact that they reached the other side before us. I've done all kinds of funerals. But funerals bring us face to face with the reality that life ends and not always on our terms. Hebrews 9 is right. It is appointed for men to die once. 13, let's see, 13, almost, yeah, 13 years ago this spring, my father passed away. The night before he passed away, I was at his hospital room and the doctor told us he, he just doesn't have many days to live. His heart is just exhausted. It's, it's wore out. It's gone. You know, my dad lived a, a tough life. He worked hard all of his life. He got uh, drafted into World War II, did the beaches in France on D-Day, lived through it. Later on was wounded in France, came home on the Queen Mary. Uh, he was a unique guy, but his heart was just done. It was, he was in his mid-80s. His heart was just wore out. And I remember standing in his room when the doctor left that night, and I began to weep, and you know, I was telling my dad how much I loved him and how much he meant to me. And my dad looked at me and said, son, don't cry. Everybody's going to die sometime. And I guess even 13 years ago, it had never really sunk in on me because I just kind of figured I would not lose my hair. <laughs> I would not get wrinkles. I would not gain weight around the middle. I would not slow down and it hurt to lift weight. I thought a lot of things would never happen to me. But the fact of the matter is, friend, every one of us someday will find that our lives end. Now, some of you are saying, well, 
what's about this message? We're not to the message yet. We're still in the introduction, okay? So give me a couple more minutes. I'm driving home a point that hits everybody today. After Ann and I had been married a few years, we were talking one day about the future and about insurance and about some different things, you know. We were talking about what little bit we had. I had talking about my two collector's cars and what we would do with the collector's cars if something happened to me and da-da-da. And I remember Ann looking at me and saying, I don't want to talk about this. It was a bit of an emotional moment. And we've never had too many serious conversations because we just don't want to talk about it. And I think a lot of us live that way. Oh, but, but I can give you one exception to that rule. Six years ago, I guess, I went to India for the very first time. How many of you know men and women think differently? I mean, I know there are exceptions, but as a rule, men and women think very differently. You know, I'm, I'm pretty logical, da-da-da-da. It's not that she's illogical, don't misunderstand me. It's, it's just that she's, she, she's, whoo, that was a good save. It's just, she's a little more emotional than me. And I remember she took me to LAX and dropped me off at the airport. I went through security. I got through really fast. I got down to my gate, and I had an hour, hour and a half before I could even board. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to India for the first time, and you know, we're going up into Nepal, we're going into some areas that, you know, where we go is relatively safe, but stuff happens, I'm going to be overseas. And it dawned on me, you know, if something were to happen to me while I'm gone, what would they do at my funeral? I've never talked to Ann about that. So I sat down and just put together an email and told Ann everything I wanted in my funeral. <laughs> I mean, that's what a logical man would do. And I sent it to her. So, you know, 12, 14 days later, I, well, I guess 14, 15 days later, I get home, I, I text her, I'm out front, she picks me up out in front of the airport, I get in the car, and she won't even talk to me. So what... What is wrong? I can't believe you did that. <laughs> did what? I went to India. What are you talking about? That email. My sweetheart, I, I just, you know, did you think you were going to die? <laughs> no, I never, I never, I plan on coming home. Then why did you do that to me? Because if something did happen, I just want to, I, I don't want something stupid going on at my funeral. I want to... <laughs> I want to control who talks about me, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I got to get moving here. So anyway, after several minutes, she finally settled down a little bit. And I haven't talked about my funeral since then. Not to her anyway. Not to her. So let's, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, look at verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, and we're jumping into the middle of a, a long statement here, but I want to take just the end of it. He's talking about we the children of God were born of flesh and blood. It says he himself, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same. It's speaking of his incarnation when he came to earth. Okay, God made manifest in the flesh. 
He himself likewise shared in the same. And notice the words here. That through death, through his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. What it's saying here is Jesus through his death took the power of death away from the devil and put it back in the hands of God is in essence what it's saying. It stole away that power over death. The next verse continues the thought, verse number 15. It says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So many people in our world today live in bondage to fear because they've never settled the thought of death in their own minds. They've never settled in their hearts, someday I'm going to pass away. Hopefully it's a lot of years from now. For me, hopefully it's 54 more years from now. I'm going for 120, okay? So I hope it's a long ways off in there. But the point is, if we don't have that settled in our minds and settled in our hearts and we're not somewhat prepared for it, all the days of our life, we live in fear, we live in bondage because we're afraid of what's next. But what these passages of Scripture tell us is Jesus died in part to release us from the fear of death. Physical death and spiritual death. God does not want you to be afraid to talk about death. I don't don't want to talk about it. No, you, you need to come face to face with it and deal with it and get it settled in your heart and in your mind. Jesus came to liberate us from the fear of death. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 tells us that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Even as children, you know, when you're little kids, whether you're churched or not, Kids talk about living forever. I'm going to live forever. When this life is over, I'm going to go on and I'm going to, I'm going to live forever and ever and ever. God has placed eternity in our hearts. But if we do not prepare for eternity and live lives with eternity in mind, we live in the, with the fear of death and the fear of the unknown of what lies beyond our final breath here. How many are glad we laughed a lot at the beginning of the message today? John 3, 16 and 17, some of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, tell us that Jesus came to release us from fear's bondage. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, die in their sins, but they would have everlasting life. Life beyond this life, life beyond the grave. Jesus came to take the fear away so we could know there was life beyond this life. And verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Many believers know those those verses. We know those words. But the question today is, do you know those words or do you just not want to talk about it? Look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes about a couple of eternity scenarios that we see here in scripture Luke 16 go down to verse 19 if you don't have a Bible the verses will be on the screen this is Jesus speaking he says in verse 19 
Now there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. I mean, this, this rich man had it made. He had everything he could ever want. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, or hell... He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus received evil things, but now he is comforted. Notice the words. He is comforted and you are tormented. Besides all this, between us, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that they, he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. I want you to see these two scenarios. A rich man lived the way he wanted to live. A poor man who lived in pain, hoping for help from God. They both die and they both pass on. They come from the same scene at the rich man's house. But when life is over, one goes to a place of comfort one goes to a place of torment. Jesus taught when this life ends, there are two destinations and only two destinations. The Bible doesn't teach more than two destinations. One is heaven, one is hell. I don't want to get into all the Father Abraham and the gulf and so forth today and what might have changed with the resurrection of Jesus. It's not important to our message today. What is important is when my life ends on earth, I'm going somewhere. When your life ends, you're going somewhere. The question is, where are you going? It's one of two places. It's heaven, a place of comfort and peace, or it's hell, a place of torment. Heaven is a place of comfort and peace forever. Hell is a place of torment separation from God and everything that's good forever. Some people tend to think that, well, hell's just a big party where ungodly people are there doing what they did on earth. Friend, it doesn't work that way. It's not a party. It's a place of torment. You won't look for your friends. You won't look for your relatives. You won't want to have a good time together. You will be there in torment. And the only thing you will do is wonder, why didn't I change my life so I didn't end up in this horrible place? 
a place of torment. I mentioned Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It's appointed for men to die once. But it goes on to say in that verse, but after this, the judgment. When this life ends, we stand before God. We give an account for our lives. That's what the Bible teaches. When I stand before God, I do so on His terms, not mine. I'm judged according to His standard, not mine. I don't tell Him what I believe and therefore He must judge me by what I believe. He makes the rules. He lays out the law. He is the judge and the jury. He is the one who pronounces my eternal sentence. I answer to God for the life that I live. It's appointed unto man to die once, but after this, we stand before God to hear his verdict. One more passage of scripture, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. In this life, we are choosing now. We're choosing now where we will spend eternity. We don't get to decide when we arrive there. We don't get out of the bus and say, ah, it looks hot over there, looks a little better over here. I think I'll go this way. It doesn't work that way. When you take your last breath, whether it's 100 years of age, whether it's 30 years of age, when you take your last breath here, whether it was planned for or whether it's unexpected, your next breath is in the presence of God and you answer for your life. Luke 23, I want to show you a picture of mankind. Luke 23, verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. I want you to see this scene. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's dying there for our sins. There's a thief on each side. The sinless, blameless Son of God taking our sins upon Himself. And then two thieves who are worthy of death hanging on each side. And the scene unfolds. One of them cries out and says, If you're really the Christ, save yourself and us. But on the other side, verse 40, He answers and rebuked the other thief and said, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? We're all dying here. How can you spit in the face of God? Verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. This thief said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today, everybody say today. today. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It's an interesting picture. In a few weeks, Easter season will be here. This year, we're going to be having a Good Friday service on Friday evening before Easter. First time we've done this. We'll be doing that this year, commemorating the death of our Lord. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, we'll commemorate and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. 
But this picture is a picture that takes place on the cross. As Jesus in this broken condition hangs there, dying, when one thief begins to speak, then the other thief begins to speak. And what it does, it really paints a picture of humanity today. Humanity for all time since the day of Jesus. Three crosses stand on one cross in the middle. Jesus died for our sins. On one of the other crosses, one theme blasphemed Jesus and he died in his sin. On the other side, this thief cries out to Jesus for mercy and he dies free from his sin. It's an amazing story. It's a picture of mankind. Jesus died to pay for our sins. But we make the choice of what we do with Jesus. Do we accept what he did for us? Do we accept his forgiveness? Do we accept this new life he's provided? Do we have our sins washed away and live free from sin and know him? And then walk into eternal life? That's a decision we must make. What do you do with Jesus? Or do we reject Jesus? Say, no, no, no. I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. And when I stand before God, I'll tell him what I believe, and he'll understand, and it'll all be okay. No, the question God's going to ask is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? We can accept him, or we can make the choice to reject Jesus, die in our sins, and go on to eternal death. I don't know in the 11 and a half years that I've been pastor here that I've preached a message so straightforward. I've been working on this message for four weeks, trying to figure out how do I, how do I trim it down? How do I make it clear? And I realized the last couple of days the most simple thing to do is tell you what the Bible says because the choice is not mine, the choice is yours. Some of you might say, well, why would, you, why would you preach a message like this? Because God has given me a pastor's heart. I've got a little bit more gifting inside of me. But listen to me. Friend, I love you. And I want to see you build a relationship with God and walk into eternal life with Jesus Christ. I don't want to see you go to eternal hell. But let me go one step further. Another reason I preach this message today is because God put his own son on a cross to pay for your sin because he didn't want you to stay on that road to hell. He wanted to give you the opportunity to get off that road and walk into eternal life. God cares about you a whole lot more than I do. I don't know that I could give either one of my sons to die for anyone in this place. But God loved you so much 
He gave his son for you so that you might become a child of God. The question is, like the thieves on the cross, are you going to accept it or are you going to reject it? You know, in closing today, I want, to, want you to consider something with me. Eternity is a long, 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 long time. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're 20 years old. Maybe you're 40. Maybe you're 80. Maybe you're 90 years old. Maybe you've lived a lot of years already. If you live to be 100 years old in this lifetime, imagine living your life a thousand times over. Eternity would not have even begun. Because it's timeless. It's outside of time. It just goes on. It had no beginning. It, has no, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And when you look at life, when compared to eternity, life is like this, and eternity just keeps going forever and ever and ever. A lot of us play games with God because we think, eh, got a lot of time, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Friend, it matters. Tomorrow is guaranteed to no one. The Apostle Paul said, life Life is like a vapor. It just, it's here and it's gone. It's like a flame. It burns for a few minutes and it's gone. We don't know the allotted days we have. But we have an opportunity to make plans for the million lifetimes that lay beyond this lifetime when we stand before God. Hebrews 9.27, I mentioned it two or three times. Let me quote it one more time completely. It's appointed for men to die once and then the judgment. It's appointed that we die once. But that doesn't mean we have to die twice. Several times in the book of Revelation, it talks about the second death. That's when everything is at the end is thrown into the lake of fire. It's called the second death. The Lord tarries and we live long enough. Everybody here. It's going to taste death once. We make the decision whether we taste it once or whether we taste it spiritually, eternally, forever, twice. I wish I could walk down every aisle today and just shake your hand and say hi and just ask you. Have you thought about eternity? Have you looked at God's word? It's not about how many times you've sinned. It's not about all the mistakes you've made. At the end of life, God doesn't weigh the good and the bad and say, well, the, the bad's heavier or well, the good's heavier. That's not how it works. It comes down to have your sins been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Did you accept the Savior and embrace the Lord? What did you do with Jesus? Death doesn't have to be feared. It's the doorway into eternity. When I stand before God, I can't change my mind. My decision has been made forever. One last thought, then I'm going to pray. 
I hear what society says. I hear what a lot of people say. How, how can a loving God condemn people to hell? The answer is really simple. Straight from Scripture. God doesn't condemn people to hell. God sent His Son to keep people from going to hell. That's how much God loves. We condemn ourselves when we die in our sins without faith in Christ. We ask for that condemnation. So I close today. Where do you stand with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? I hope today this is received in the spirit that I intend for it to be received. God loves you so much, he put his own son on the cross for you. He paid a debt you could never repay because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I ask you to bow your heads today. I want to pray. As you think about eternity, as you look at your life, as you consider Jesus today. I want to pray and I want to give everybody in the house a chance to pray this prayer with me. It's a chance to put your faith in God. It's a chance to wrap, wrap your heart around what Jesus did for you on the cross. Begin this walk with God that walks you right into eternal life forever. It all starts with a prayer with an invitation, with us asking God into our lives. Maybe you're sitting here today and inside your, inside your heart's kind of pounding. You just feel the weight and the tension of the moment. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit saying, I love you and I want you in my family. But He's looking for your response today. So I want to invite you to respond to God with me right now in this prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me right out loud. Don't be afraid of those around you. They'll respect your prayer. But everybody pray it. You don't need to yell it and scream it, but speak it right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I turn my heart to you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Christ died for me. And I accept his sacrifice for my sin. From this moment forward, I claim Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to walk with you. I want to know you throughout eternity. So I give my life to you. You are now my Father. I am your child. Teach me your ways so I can walk with you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. That's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. You've opened the door. God has extended forgiveness to you. You've become a child of God. Now, you need to learn to walk with God. We've got a gift for you today. 
simple little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's really simple reading for the next week that'll help you get started walking with God. We want to give it to you, no strings attached. There's two ways you can get it. In a few minutes when we're finished and service is concluded, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. Just come forward to one of these prayer teams. They have these books. Just tell them, say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with anyone for any need. But please, just come forward. Get the booklet. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. There's no strings attached. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there is a counter set up there. You can stop there and get the same booklet. Just ask for it. They'll give it to you there. Hey, God bless you. The prayer you just prayed, it's the most important prayer you pray in your whole life. Wrap your heart around it. Begin to walk with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you today. Can we also give Pastor Gary a hand? Thank you for that great word today. We're at that time in service where we're going to worship the Lord with our, our tithe and offering. And, and um, they're going to throw up on the screen some different ways that you can give. You can give through cash. You can give through a check. You can give online. There's a lot of different ways, but we just want to encourage you to give. And thinking about living life with an eternal perspective, in 1 Timothy 6, in verse 18, it says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. As we give today, we give because God has given so much to us. We give because he loves us. And we give as a response and saying, God, thank you for what you've done to us. We don't put our hope and our trust in, in money. We put our hope and our trust in our God. And so as we give today, I want to encourage you, give, just willingly give with uh, just an eternal perspective and know that you're making a difference. You're making a difference in this community. You're making a difference around the world with our partnerships that we have. And just know that, that you are reaching around the world as you give. Our ushers are going to come forward, and as we give today, let's watch church news together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley, and we want to thank you for being in church with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your morning and that you and your family feel right at home today. We hope that you'll be here for everything that's happening in the weeks ahead. Here's a look at what's coming up at The Bridge. Connecting Point is happening next Sunday during the 1130 service. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? If you're new to The Bridge, wondering how to get involved, or want to know how to make The Bridge your home church, Connecting Point is your first step. We want you to know the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge Church, but we also want to get to know you. So come and find your place in this community at Connecting Point. Again, it's happening next Sunday, March 1st, during the 1130 service. If you'd like to come, just sign up at the Info Center before you go today. You can also sign up on our website or on the Bridge app. We hope to see you there. Hey ladies, our evening Bridge Women Gathering is happening tomorrow night. We have an amazing night planned as we're continuing in our Freedom Series. I promise you do not 
want to miss it. It all starts at 6.30 with light refreshments and shopping in our Vintage Corner Resale Boutique, followed by a great time of worship and teaching geared straight to the heart of a woman. And as always, childcare and Spanish translation are provided. So invite all the girls in your world. I can't wait to see you there. Our spring term of Connect Groups launched this past week, and now is the time to get plugged into a small group here at The Bridge. If you are looking to build new relationships, find community, and grow in your walk with God, Connect Groups are the best way to do that in the church. Stop by the Info Center before you go today and pick up one of our connection guides. There you will find a full listing of all of our groups and leaders. You can also see all the groups on our website and on The Bridge app. We hope you'll take the time to get connected and find community this spring at The Bridge. If you're new to The Bridge and you want to find out how to get plugged in, we invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team's there to help you find your place at The Bridge. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download The Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. Well, church, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Ladies, just a quick reminder, Bridge Women tomorrow night. You don't want to miss that, all right? God bless everyone. Have a great day. Make sure you give someone a high five, a hug, or a handshake on the way out.